0: the top five count them one two three four five skills that you need in the short-term rentals and airbnb business in order to be successful we talked about it in full on clubhouse on tuesday now we're giving you the cliff notes version here on the fearless investor podcast i believe true wealth cannot be measured by your income it is instead measured by your availability of choices especially the choice to live life on your terms i also believe there are many ways to create wealth but one thing is for certain you have to have a laser focus on one path my path airbnb but i also believe in education and expanding your mind education helps you take off the blinders of life and see opportunities you never saw before join me on this journey of learning how to create wealth in airbnb real estate and so many more investment strategies together we can conquer the world of investing. my name is kyle stanley and this is the fearless investor podcast Hey guys, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley, and we're talking today about the top five skills in Airbnb and short-term rentals that you need in order to be successful. But before we do, we gotta give a shout out to our sponsor, Boostly. So host, do you think you can keep relying on Airbnb to bring you all your business? Or should you maybe start booking directly to your customer? Uh, Yeah, I think the latter. And how do you do this? It's really simple. You get your own direct booking website, your own Uh, You don't cut corners, though. So here's the thing. A free website is probably not going to cut it, especially if it isn't on WordPress. Now, I know what you're thinking that's either going to take a lot of time or a lot of money, right? Like, that's exactly what I thought when I was first getting into direct bookings. But there's exactly where Boostly comes in. Boostly is the best in the business for website design for the short-term rental game, servicing over 600 clients worldwide. Every website is built on WordPress and done for you. That's right, you don't have to do anything. Pricing starts right around $99 and it doesn't matter if you have one property or a 100. And my good friend, Mark Simpson, the founder of Boostly tells me it's guaranteed to get you direct bookings or your money back. Just book a call with Mark's team at Boostly.co dot uk forward slash fearless your future business well thank you that's what mark says again it's boostly dot co dot uk forward slash fearless boostly spelled b-o-o-s-t-l-y dot co dot uk forward slash fearless now with that being said on tuesday we got you um on clubhouse which by the way if you don't know what clubhouse is you need to get into clubhouse Although it can be a complete time suck, So be really intentional about your time there. But if you don't know what it is, it's essentially like a um, a stage. It's gonna it's like an event, except for it's all on audio. It's no video, it's not in person., uh, it's just an app that you download and you can hear uh, experts talking about the, any topic, it can be Airbnb, it can be real estate. I mean, guys like Grant Cardone are in there. Um, you've I've heard Paris Hilton's in there a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in Clubhouse, but uh, the cool thing is, is that you know, there's people up on stage that are talking about a specific topic, and then there's people in the audience that get to ask questions. So, uh, we had this topic on Tuesday of what are the top five skills that you need in order to be successful in Airbnb and the short-term rentals industry. It ended up turning into like six, seven, eight uh, skills, but I think these were really important and valuable for you being a listener of the Fearless Investor podcast as well. So what I did is instead of having this two-hour podcast, I cut it down into a nice, neatly formed about 35 minutes of the top, basically six or seven uh, skills, even though <laughs> we we wanted to do five, it turned into six or seven Super, super uh, good, valuable information from top experts in the field here. So let's get to it right now on this Clubhouse recording here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. Let's jump into it. So um, first of all, we got a lot of great moderators here. They're going to talk about their top skills that they think uh, we need to develop. But before we get into that, um, I want to get everyone an intro. And with that intro, I want to know what is the number one skill that you think is the most important to have in uh, a short-term rental and Airbnb business, and um, not going to open for discussion while we're doing intros. But then after the uh, the intros and what you think your the number one um, skill is that you need to have, I want to kind of go back to maybe one or two that really grabbed some attention and uh, and take it from there. So I'll start off really quick just to set the tone. Uh, name's Kyle Stanley and. I am in Fresno, California. Started an Airbnb in 2019, really for full time. I was doing it kind of um, haphazardly on the side for a few years. Uh, As soon as I started doing it full time, we went from zero to basically now we're at almost 40 units in just under two years, uh, mainly with the co hosting model. And so, For me, um, I think the number one skill in this business that will make life so easy for you, it's a really boring word, um, but networking will help you to be able to blow up your business faster than anything and to make it a little bit sexier of a word, I'm going to say adding a ton of value without expecting anything in return. Um, So that is what I believe. And let's uh, pass it over to Jim.
1: Thanks, Kyle. And uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, My name is Jim. I've been on Airbnb for about 10 years. And I'm based here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, As a matter of fact, Kyle, I think I was going through some message. I think you and I first connected about a year ago or so, right about this month. So isn't that crazy how time is just flying here? Um, But yeah, we we focus on... uh, helping people manage and also kind of lean into convention traffic here in Indy. And my number one thing that I would recommend that I really think is a really top skill to develop is just adaptability, just like Norman was talking about, just being able to kind of read the landscape and kind of go through the ebbs and flows. And, you know, if uh, you're doing one, you're optimizing for yourself and the homeowners that you're managing for if you're co-hosting. So super excited to be a part of the topic and conversation here today and looking forward to learning from the rips.
0: Awesome, Jim. Thanks, brother i um, excited to always do these rooms with you. Norman, uh, I know you already shared one skill, but what about just overall in general, a quick intro and then what you think is the number one skill overall?
1: Hey guys, Norman Hamilton here from Comfy Living Rancher. We're, uh, we're a hospitality company based out of Houston, Texas, kind of managing about 19 properties. And I'd say for me, the number one skill is just, it's definitely patience um, because Like there's so many things that happen, especially with like guest experience and customer experience. Like you have to just learn to be patient, uh, take your time and really like digest things that are happening with your customers or your guests. Sometimes It's like um, whether it's like, you know, uh, uh, what is it called? Claims issues or just like parties and stuff like that. Like you need to be patient, keep level head when you're approaching these situations. So that's my number one skill.
0: Yeah. Amen to that, man. We literally just had someone stay for 18 days, didn't have any complaints while they were staying. And then they tried to, uh, submit a claim for a full refund, uh, for stuff that they never even brought up with us. And I'm like, dude, that's like eating the meal that the waiter brought out to you. And then when you're done being like, yeah, that's the wrong meal. You gave me the wrong thing. And then asking for the same thing again. So, uh, patience. Yeah, that's, that's key, man. I love it. I love it. Um and then Majid I hadn't made you a moderator yet but I'm going to do that now. Um welcome uh and Majid give us a quick intro and uh the number one skill that you believe you need for Airbnb.
2: Um hi Kyle yes um this is Majid. Basically started my
3: short term rentals during the pandemic so don't have much experience but I have 18 short term rentals using the arbitrage method and also a tour host now as well and I think the number one skill is learning how to leverage a team and manage
4: people, especially scaling to multiple properties. You need, you need a team
0: and you need to be able to properly manage that team. I like how humble you are. You're like, I'm, I only have 18 units. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. Um, no, that's great. I think that's an, an awesome skill to have, and I definitely want to talk more about that one for sure. Uh, Jesse. What up, Kyle?
4: Thank you for having me in the Room I appreciate it, Jim, Norman, McGee, John. Thanks, uh, thanks for hanging in. everybody else in the room. Uh, my name is Jesse Vasquez. I am the uh, founder of AirVenture Hosting Company. I'm also a buy-and-hold real estate investor um, in the Central Valley. And I think one of the biggest um, skills to develop is empathy. I don't think people talk about this very much, but I think it's super important to have, uh, especially when it comes to the guest and that whole hospitality experience, you have to be able to put yourself in the shoes of a guest and i and i mentioned before but not not many people talk about that and having that empathy towards the patient or towards the patient <laughs> i come from healthcare so i really take the guests so it, you have to uh you know if it's even something small like hey this is missing or the coffee machine is not be working or you have to you have to have that empathy with that those specific people um and you know and, and try to take care of things relatively <laughs> quick uh, so that you again putting yourself in their shoes so i think empathy is a big big part of uh, hospitality and something that i feel is important
0: man that's awesome i i love that and kind of going along with what uh what norman said um got in order to have empathy you got to have good morning well it's morning for me here good morning kyle
4: everyone um Thanks for having me in the room. Uh, My name is John. I'm the founder
2: of Ohana Stay. It's a hospitality brand in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, And Jesse, empathy was my top one. Uh, So thank you for stealing it. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) I actually, when I hire my VAs, I ask, you know, I ask them and the ones that say, you know, you have to have empathy are the ones that I hire. So that's, that's how important that is uh, to me. Uh, So on top of Every, since I'm going last, uh, all the good ones were taken. So I will say, uh, expert revenue management is a key skill, so that you're actually uh, maximizing your profit and your revenue while you're, uh, you know, while you're operating the business. So I'll add that.
0: Hmm, that's good. That's really good. Well, um, I think we've got a clear-cut winner that we want to start talking about first because uh, two of the members said. Empathy. So um, I'll leave the uh, the stage open here for either John or Jesse, if you want to, or anyone else that wants to maybe expand on, I, I love stories, right? So like, let's talk about maybe some stories of where empathy just was so key to you being able to um, tackle a situation, grow your business, anything at all that comes to mind, guys.
2: I think one story that I have, and it's, you know, it wasn't my fault, but like a uh, guest cape. Okay, they parked, ended up getting towed, <laughs> and clearly, you know, they parked in the wrong spot, so it's not my fault, right? And I could have just been like, hey, it's your your problem, just, you know, figure it out. Um, Call the towing company. Um, but again, they just arrived, you know, it's their first day there, and their car's gone. So, you, you know, I had to work with the building management to try to get them, you know, help them get the car back. Uh, I offered to even, like, drive with them, you know, so that they can bring the car back. Um, I didn't have to, but it's kind of... And at the end of the day, I got a five-star review. And I, I, you know, I was positive that I was going to get, you know, a three or below review just for the car being towed. Uh, So, you know, just kind of understanding where the other, other side is coming from really helps to kind of tone down your frustration when you know similar things that happen over and over to you in your business um you know happens again and you just say okay if it happened to me for the first time i can understand i'd be frustrated too
0: yeah that's that's really good um one one quick thing jesse i know you want to say something one quick thing that i want to say is um you know i i think when it comes to these guests like it's not about not having issues. It's about how do you deal with the issues? Because issues are going to happen whether you want to or not. It's how you deal with them. And one thing that I'm actually, my my girlfriend and I are actually taking a, uh, a like relationship class that is teaching us better communication. And funny enough, like I see it really working so much in business too. And one of the like, really easy things to just show empathy and to show that you understand is literally... Repeat back to the guest what the issue is. So if they say, "Hey, my car got towed. Um, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to park there. I'm really upset," and you just say, "So let me make sure I understand. Your your car got towed, and you're really upset, and you didn't know that you weren't supposed to park there. Is that right?" Like just by saying that, whether it's in a text or a call or whatever, just shows that you understand. And immediately, like, that person feels that you have empathy for them. It's not that you have to agree with them. It's not that you have to necessarily, like, um, say, like, oh, yeah, we're going to fix everything for you. It's just showing that you understand um, already puts you on the same team, which I think is really powerful. Um, So anyway, Jesse, did you want to say something else?
4: Yeah, I was just going to touch on the topic of empathy. So flying from different areas or, you know, they're having families, so... In the hispanic culture where i come from and we one of the things that we do is we always give somebody food like if somebody loses a family member or whatnot so i will leave a card a sympathy card prior to people arriving and then also offer like hey you guys in town do you mind if we you know order pizza or you know condolence?" um you know we understand how difficult it could be i've lost my dad you know a couple of years ago so i know what that feels like to lose a family member and um so it's especially your father or mother it's, it's very important so I definitely take that empathy to through or I send those kind of uh, well
0: wishes through food or through a, you know, card or whatnot. So, mm, Man, sorry for your loss. I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Um, another one that was brought up uh, as we're moving on from empathy, I really liked um, Majid talked about uh, management. The ability to not only uh, manage good people on a daily basis because it's going to help you remove yourself from working in your business so that you can work on your business. Um, but also the ability to find those people, right? That's sometimes the toughest thing is, you know, or, or even finding them and then holding on to them. So I think there's a lot of different ways we can take this, but is there something right off the bat in regards to management or finding good people that comes to mind for any of our moderators?
2: I'll just share how I find people to work with. Um, Essentially, it's kind of a slow-ish process of, you know, when I when I when I run into someone who I think I can work, and I give them a shot at just trying, you know, trying things out. And I'm not only looking for their skill set and the specific thing that I'm looking for, but I'm also looking for kind of their demeanor, their attitude. Um, are they punctual or not? Are they asking questions or not? And so, you know, I have like a week or two trial period of them running some, you know, random things that I need them to do. And this is for the, you know, on-ground staff. And as I get a level of comfort with them, then I start expanding their ledger or something because, you know, they, they do a, a good job. Uh, I've actually lucked out. I've hired two former Airbnb support, like level three support uh, people as my VAs. And they are working magic for me. They're getting reviews removed. Uh, They're getting past resolutions that were denied, uh, approved. Uh, So that's that's VAs. Um, It's to do to have them do like some technology things, right? So uh, a loom video as part of the interview process is something that I absolutely require. Uh, And that that makes it so that if they're not tech-savvy enough to install Loom, you know, that's a red flag. If it's if the video's choppy, then, you know, then you know that their internet connection is not strong. So, you know, there are things that you build into the interview process that ferret out things beyond just their skill set. Um, I've interviewed some VAs, um, and my expectation was that they would be in their work setting so that we could test out their computer speed and everything. And, you know, they were on their cell phone, you know, outside, hanging out on the patio. And just, like, that combination of everything was just, like, you just don't have the right attitude uh, to be working with me. So, you know, there, there's a lot of, like, little things that you can pick up along the way when you're, you know, when you're trying to hire remotely. And I think you have to pick up on all those, like, subtle cues on the side and not just, you know, be... Um, fall in love with their background and their skill set.
0: That's awesome. Perfect. Um so now we've talked about finding people, what about keeping people? Does anyone have um any strategies for keeping your people on your team or motivated or um just anything that would be helpful for, you know, keeping that core of of your uh your entire organization?
3: Yeah, man. Okay. I'll speak on that one. Cause that one's pretty big for me. Uh, I have people that have been with me for four years now and one of the biggest things I realized is appreciation, right? You got to show your appreciation for everything that they do from the little details to doing the jobs correct and on time and handling things, um, the correct way. Right. Um, I had, I hired a new girl just a couple weeks ago and she's been killing it for me. I mean, she does everything. And, um, she quickly became a like kind of a, a operations side manager. Um, she's had prior experience, so it's funny because I, I actually worked with this girl back in like four years ago, but it wasn't direct. Um, it wasn't direct contact with me. She, I had someone else in place who put her in place, and she didn't like the way things were being handled, and so she left. And so fast forward now, she came back, and she's like, "Hey, you know, I'm looking for work. Can I get another chance?" And so I brought her on and, um, man, she's been killing it. And, she, uh, after about, I want to say it's been, I don't know, like three months later or something like that. Um, I, I literally sent her a message and I said, Hey, listen, I appreciate all the work you've been doing. Like you've been killing it out here. Um, I'm going to give you more work. I'm going to give you these tasks. This is what you're going to do going forward. And she's been super happy. She was able to bring in two other people into her team because of it. And it's all came from appreciation. She actually quit working for the other operators because they didn't take her um, seriously they didn't they didn't offer her um, not even a single like hey good job ever and the time that she ever worked on she worked with these people for like three years so I think appreciation is one of the biggest ones
0: yeah I I completely agree with that I think it's so easy too right you know like we I don't know about you guys, but for me, like sometimes I just have really high expectations when I bring people on and I expect them to do it just as well or better than I do it. Cause like, that's why I brought them on, right. To save me time. And then you get like disappointed that they miss something or that they're not doing something the way that you would do it. And you think about like that one bad thing that they've done and, and end up highlighting that versus like the 99 other good things that they've done and they they need to just hear a little bit affirmation so that's awesome raf i'm glad Uh, does that come naturally to you because that's something like for me i just really have to always like really pay attention to and be like all right if i told this person i appreciate them recently because if i haven't i need to like make it a point to do that
3: you know at first it wasn't strict and i'm very to the point and i have very um, uh, hard expectations of things that i want and they get upset because sometimes it is a little demanding but at the same time it took me a lot so no it it didn't come naturally it took me a long time and because of that it took me a long time to learn it and um after working with people for for quite a while and and being in the customer service industry and the hospitality industry i realized okay you know you you gotta you gotta punish when it's time to punish and you gotta appreciate when it's time to appreciate for example she's made mistakes right she's made it's numerous mistakes, right? The first couple of mistakes, did I set the expectation correctly? No, I didn't set the expectation correctly. That mistake's my fault, right? Um, there was an issue that happened and I didn't set that expectation and I didn't set the standard of how that should have been handled. Therefore, that mistake is my fault. I can't blame it on her. So it was a simple, hey, don't worry, mistakes happen. This is how I want it to be handled going forward. Please take note of it so it doesn't happen again, right? If the mistake happens again, the expectation's been set, I, I now it's not no longer my fault. It's that person's fault. But the second time that the issue arises, it was handled properly. And it's a simple, hey, great job. I appreciate you actually paying attention to what you did. It was awesome. You handled it correctly. Um, The guest is just, you know, one of those guests who who likes to complain. We get those all the time. Don't worry about it. You did good. Let's just move on from it. And that was it, right? And she's like, so we had a cleaning issue. But it wasn't her fault. And so um, she's over here beating herself up about it. Like, dude, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm so mad at myself. I said, hey, it's not a big deal you know, you have a lot going on. I appreciate it. You handled it the way it was supposed to be handled. Let's just move on from it. Just make sure it doesn't happen again. And she's like, man, I really love that you appreciate the work that I do. Thank you. Like, it won't happen again. And because of that, I haven't had a single issue happen ever after that. And the communication part of it, it's cut down on, on mistakes drastically. And it took a long, long time to learn, right? At first, I used to be like, no, I used to be like, you know what? It's your fault. You screwed up. Take care of it. And there was no like appreciation from my side. It was more of like, it's always you. You're the person who did it. You messed it up, go fix it. And again, it was one of those things where I slowly had to develop.
4: Hey Kyle. Um, Kat, that was, that was good. I I piggyback on that as well. Um, I have weekly meetings with my team. Um, every Monday we go over last week's reviews. We break things down into numbers, what they look like and ratings and cleanliness and things like that. So um, if there if there's good cleanliness in the month and if we do well, I give them bonuses and that could be, you know, if 100 bucks, it could be even more than that. I give Christmas bonuses, things of that nature. Um, and then we also, like, some of the cleaners that are staying at some of our really nice, or that clean the really nice properties, we offer them a night, you know, like, hey, you want to hang out with your family here for the weekend, pick a date. Um, usually it's a weekday. Um, so they'll be able to hang out, you know, in a really nice place for, you know, for basically free. Um, they, are, they are cleaning it, though, afterwards. <laughs> but... Uh, You know, that's part of the incentive that we do. I don't know if you guys do that, but it's the cleaning crews definitely love it.
0: I would like to bring up the idea of sales, that gross word sales, right? Um, Now let's, let's talk about this word sales because it can have a really negative connotation, right? So what does sales mean to you um, either overall or in this business? Someone want to take a shot at that? I mean, for
3: me, I think that sales is inextricably intertwined with the marketing and getting it out, getting the word out and and getting people excited to come. Um, so when I'm thinking of sales, that's kind of what I'm thinking of at the at the fore, is what message, what brand am I putting out there and how am I getting people excited um, so that they want to buy what I have to sell.
1: Yep. And I would say, uh, in addition to cat, like it's so important to be able to settle the guests, but also I think for a lot of the, the managers and co-hosts out there, being able to sell the idea of, hey, we really feel like this house or rental can optimize on a, on a short-term basis as opposed to a long-term basis. So I'd say if I were to take a snapshot of the most of my kind of quote-unquote sales-oriented conversations or dialogues or threads, almost all of it would be toward uh, me talking to the homeowners and just really trying to convince them and having them really kind of turn that corner mentally as far as looking at this as a, a part of a, their portfolio on a short term basis, as opposed to the long term basis. And, and definitely it's, you know, there's a lot of uh, sales that goes into that. But like you said, Cal, there, there is a bit of a negative connotation that goes into that word sales, but it's, it's really just kind of getting them converted. You know?
0: Well, I think there's two different kinds of sales, right? The cold sale, which really is uncomfortable uh, no matter how good you are. Like, you know, for me even if I'm going to go talk to a landlord about arbitrage or co-hosting today, if I don't have a relationship or if I don't have someone that's referred me to them, it's, I can know everything about this business, but it still isn't the most comfortable thing. And, but I mean, you know, through discomfort is where we grow, right? So that's not a bad thing, but at the same time um, I would love to have a warm lead sent my way or to uh, pursue someone that I know fits the bill for my perfect um, landlord avatar that I already know. And uh, one of my students, Michael Butler, he actually has um, a couple of these where he he did, by the way, he has two Airbnbs and he got them back in December and they both netted him a total of $6,000 this last month. Um, crazy to see uh, how, how well he's doing with just two units, but um, he got those two units from Warm Leads, from people that he knew already. And so to me, like if you have that relationship, th- the toughest thing about a sale is trust. That is the toughest place to be, to get yourself to a place of trust. And so with a cold sale, you know, someone, let's just say, for example, that you look up on hot pads or Zillow or, you know, uh, Facebook marketplace, um, things like that. And you go pitch to them, you know, you have to rely on your ability to, to build trust and call it five to 10 minutes before you actually pitch the idea of arbitrage or co-hosting. But that person that you know that maybe owns five houses and they're a full-time lawyer or doctor and they don't like having to check in with tenants and they're too, let's say, call it frugal to you know, hire out a management company. Well, you, you could literally come in and be a great solution for them and you already have that trust with them because you know them. Maybe they are your lawyer. Maybe they are your doctor. Maybe they are your dentist. And, and that's such an easier place to come from. So To me, like, go for the warm ones. And if you don't think that you have people in your network, I bet you just haven't looked deep enough. Um, Every single person knows 250 people by first name. That's the averages. Um, And so, if you know 250 people by first name, then they know 250 people by first name. So, to me, it's just trying to find that warm lead and just asking every person you know Do you know someone that owns a house that is a tired landlord? Like, that's exactly where I would suggest starting the. The conversation because if you can ask that that question, you get that lead from either that person or from someone that they might know. We've got three skills down, two more to go, and then some time for questions. So um, I want to ask the group because I've got five more written down here, either from ones that I had written before we started or from ones that came up when we were uh, talking to the group or getting introductions from the moderators, I should say, um, in the beginning here. So, let's get a vote going on three of these that I think could be um, a close tie for if they are um, if they are uh, going to make the top five. So, moderators and people up on stage, get ready to flash your mics for your vote. It's going to be uh, three these three. So don't start flashing your mic. Shit. I'm going to give you the three and I'm going to ask you which ones you think, um, should be, which one you think should make number four here on the list. So, uh, the idea of crisis or adaptability, uh, crisis management and adaptability. That was one organization was another revenue management. Yeah. looks like revenue management might be the winner here. So for one of you that flashed revenue management, you want to talk about that for a second? Um,
1: before, but um, I feel like revenue management is important because you want to learn that skill. It's essential with running like a hospitality, short term rental type of business, uh, corporate rentals, whatever you want to term it. Um, so I feel like it's very important to understand that aspect how to run your numbers, how to, you know, definitely buy at the right price, whether you buy the property, you do rental arbitrage, and definitely, um, if you can, not pay market rent for the property, and that helps you out too.
4: And obviously, uh, PL um is one of the most important things in starting any business and, and as you scale you need to make sure that you have your finances in order because the bank are going to want to see that especially as you grow and you and that's that's what keeps you alive and um, overhead costs and things of that interest, So you have to make sure that you know exactly what's coming in and what's coming out And that's going to help you scale grow um, cut costs expenditures whatnot so it's, that's the foundation to me i think it's super important
0: Yeah. And just to add to that, I think, um, a big, a big like aha moment in my business in regards to revenue management was just, um, educating yourself on how to even price your places, right? Like to me, we're playing this game of monopoly. We're either adding houses or we're adding value to our units by turning them from, you know, one house on the same street to two houses, turning into an apartment, turning into a motel, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, a big moment in my business was like, I remember the first Airbnb I got, it was a three bedroom, two bath. And I was stoked about getting a hundred dollars per night. I just like, couldn't believe I was getting a hundred dollars per night. And then on weekends I was sometimes getting like $115 a night. And then I realized we well, could turn one of these second living rooms into another bedroom and maybe that would add some value to the house. I was right. It turned it into, you know, now like $130 to $140 per night. But then I started like really doing research and seeing all these other four bedroom places in the area getting like $175 per night. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm underpricing my stuff majorly. And now that same house that when I first got it was getting $100 to $115 a night is now getting $160 to $190 per night. And, you know, did some of that have to do with reviews? Absolutely. So building up reviews was a big thing, but even just the awareness. So the last one, I've got another uh, another vote that I would like to do with our moderators. So Jim, Jesse, Rafa, and Neil, get ready to, to flash those mics again. It's going to be between these two. Uh, is our number five skill going to be either resourcefulness or process implementation. So that's a tough one, right? I feel like both are really, really important. So get ready to vote here. Who wants resourcefulness? Flash your mic if you think resourcefulness needs to be in the top five. Jim, Neil, and then, okay, Jesse and Rafa, does that mean that you guys want process implementation? Flash your mic if you want that. Okay, so it's two to two, which means that I am the deciding vote. Guys, you know how much I love processes and systems, but I think at the end of the day, your ability to be resourceful is way more beneficial than anything. Um, and here is, so resourcefulness is our number five skill, and here's my two cents on that. You don't need the resources. You just need the ability to find the resources. And that's what resourcefulness is all about. And I think that feeds into process implementation and it feeds into so many different things. It feeds into sales. It, feel, it feeds into management. It feeds into revenue management. You don't need to know everything. You just need to have the problem solving mindset of, okay, I don't have the resource, but how can I go find the resource? How can I find that person? How can I find that technology? How can I find that thing that will allow me to take stress off my business, to stop working in it and start working more on it? So um, Jesse and Rafa, um, I know you guys did not vote for that one. Uh, so if you have contradicting thoughts, I'd love to hear. And then for Jim and Neil, um, you guys did say resourcefulness. So if anyone wants to uh, put in their two cents. I just
3: want to say you convinced me. I, I, I'm, not, I'm up my resources
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I sold you on it, huh? <laughs> Kyle, man, it's, it's standard operating procedures. It's super important. This is my business brain going in
4: resources that I mean they they're great and everything that you need them to grow but those SOPs I mean that's like part of your when you're creating a business plan that's the beginning chapter of where
0: you're at that's like page two man cool yeah uh someone actually asked on the youtube channel as well as we are uh broadcasting this live uh what is an SOP an SOP is a standard operating procedure so basically just something that you could literally put into a manual uh for your business of if the if a then b you know um things like that Um, so your cleaners, your handymen, your guest communications, your, uh, everything that you do on a daily basis in this business has something that could be an SOP, a standard operating procedure.
3: I have a question. Why wasn't, why wasn't communication top five?
0: That is a great question. So honestly, guys, like, right, we could probably do a top 50, (laughs) but yeah, let's talk about communication. Go for it, Rafa, since you brought it up.
3: Sure. I mean, I feel like communications is about, what, 80% of this business, right? You need to be able to communicate with everybody, from your staff to your guests. And knowing how to communicate uh, is extremely, extremely important, right? If in, on the guest side, it could, communication could result from a blown review to the worst possible review ever, right? Um, communication with your staff can mean confusion in terms of processes and systems, right? Communication could lead to resourcefulness, right? If you know how to communicate with
0: the right people, what you're trying to communicate, can lead to a great resource for something. goes back to, Rafa, what you were saying about um, setting the right expectations. You know, that's a communication thing, right? If you don't set the right expectations with one of your teammates, then you've had a communication breakdown that has led to a bad review, has led to someone not cleaning that has led to an inadequate cleaning that has led to a lot of different things which can ultimately lead to the downfall of your business so yeah i mean it's kind of like the the totem pole right if you do something right at the top it'll trickle down to the bottom of the organization so i think communication is a hundred percent one of those things that you want to trickle down through the entire organization thanks all the moderators and thanks to everyone uh that joined us today if you uh Just want to follow all the moderators, make sure to join in on any rooms that they're doing um, and check out that, uh, that club that Jesse and Rafa are doing, but until next Tuesday, y'all, we will uh, see you again then on the STR lunch break. Thanks for joining.